You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. If it's your first time joining us, if I haven't had a chance to meet you just yet, see a lot of new faces. Um, man, our church has been in an amazing season right now, a season of growth. It seems like nearly every week we have uh, several new faces, and so what an exciting time to be in church. Yeah, come on now. It's, it's exciting to see what God's doing. And um, if I haven't met you, my name is Dan DeBell. I'm the lead pastor here at Abide Church. So excited you're joining us today. You know, we've been in a series called Prayer. Um, we just call it what it is we're, we're talking about prayer. We've been talking about a lot of different aspects of it. And last week we started talking about praying in the spirit. You might have heard it talked or said to pray in tongues. And so if it's your new time, if it's your first time here, uh, hello. Yeah, uh, yes, we are one of those churches that we believe in praying in the spirit. We believe in the power of it. And uh, if, if you've been raised in a denomination or maybe you've been taught where this isn't for today, my prayer is just today that um, most importantly, you wouldn't take my word for it, but that you would take God's word for it. That's why we have those little note cards that when you come in, that's why we hand you those. So you can take those verses home. You can read them in context, and you can see what does God's word say about what Pastor Dan is talking about. Don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Go home, study, see, um, see what he wants to do and how he'll, he'll guide you into all truth. He'll reveal himself to you more intimately this week. Before we dive into what we're talking about today, I just want to remind us of this. As we've been talking about praying in the Spirit, we've been talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want to remind us that, of this, though, that salvation is for eternity. We're not talking, when we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we're not necessarily talking about salvation and, and, and going to heaven someday, living and, and being a part of God's family. Salvation is for eternity. The baptism in the Holy Spirit and our prayer language or praying in the Spirit, it's for our spiritual success here on earth. It's for our spiritual success here on earth. And I'm going to show you what I'm talking about today. In fact, today we're talking about Holy Spirit power. We're talking about power today, how God has power for you and for me. He, well, we know he has power, right? But he wants to use us as channels to use his power and to steward his power to other people. In fact, if you're taking notes, we'll hop right into it. That's the very first fill in the blank. It's this. God wants every believer to have his power. He wants every believer to have his power and to walk in his power on a daily basis, right? This is, and we'll see it here in just a second. I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll see it here in just a second. I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. You know, as we look at the book of Acts, we see a great example of this. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, we see that Jesus has been raised from the dead, and he's speaking with his disciples. And here's what Jesus says before he, he's ascended into heaven. He says, and, and being assembled with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you, speaking to his disciples, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the first thing I want us to see is we need to realize, what does Jesus say? He says, don't go anywhere until you get this promise from the Father. Must be pretty important, right? Jesus is, is getting ready to go to heaven to be seated at the right hand of God. He's getting ready to send his disciples into all the world to do and to steward his kingdom, to set up churches, to set up church and see how, how it's impacted us thousands of years later. He's getting ready to send these guys on an incredible mission to literally change the world. But his first thing is, he says is this, don't go anywhere 
until you receive this, until you receive this gift from the Father. We fast forward a few verses in Acts 1.8, and we pick up here, and it says this. You shall receive, Jesus says, you shall receive power. Everyone say power. Come on, say it like you mean it. Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You shall be witnesses. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has what? Come upon you. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. What we see here is water baptism. Again, this isn't salvation. We have salvation, right? I make Jesus the Lord of my life. I put my faith in him. That gets, that's what gets me to heaven. I have water baptism, which is what? An outward uh, expression of what God did on the inside of me. Me being serious. Hey, I'm serious about my covenant with God. I'm going to live differently this way forward. It's the water baptism is the wedding band of, of my relationship, my covenant with God. It doesn't make me say, but it, hey, it shows everyone I'm serious about my covenant. And then what? I have a third baptism, which is baptism in the Holy Spirit. The word baptize means an immersion into. An immersion into. So at salvation, I receive the Holy Spirit. He puts it, God puts his spirit on the inside of me. But again, what's this, this, this last baptism is what? It's God immersing you, clothing you, completely surrounding you, what? In his spirit. So that God can use his power in and through you to do what he did when he was here on this earth. Let me show you what I mean. Okay, let's, let's break down these first few verses here um, really quickly. You shall receive power. The first thing is what? We have to realize that we cannot carry out the mission of God without Holy Spirit power. I cannot carry out the mission of God without Holy Spirit power in my life. I can try or I can do it, and as Parker talked about in our giving segment, yeah, we can build something, but unless the Lord builds it, we, we build in vain. I can try to, to carry out the mission of God, but without Holy Spirit power, I'm going to try. I'm going to wear myself out. God has made available to each and every one of us some supernatural power to overcome the world and to live victorious and transformed lives. Here's what I want us to see. Jesus said, wait until you get the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Wait until you get this power. Let's flip it and look at the other side of it. What's he really saying? He's saying, do not, do not go and make disciples. Do not go and start churches. And don't, do not even try to be witnesses for me without this. You're going to need power. You're going to need power. You know, I was reading a book uh, a few years ago, and in this book it talked about the church. And it was talking about this very thing, Holy Spirit power. And in this book, it talked about how if you were driving down the street and you saw a, a, a Muslim temple or, or a, a temple for a different uh, religion, and you saw this temple and outside you saw on the billboard it said, hey, free coffee and donuts this Sunday. We're going to have a bounce house for your kids. Hey, come on out and be a part of our church. And it was almost as if they're bribing you to be at church, right, or at the temple. What would you think? It's easy for us to think differently here in America, right? Because most of the time we, we think of church as Christian. But if you were driving by and you saw this completely different religion, what would you think of their God? Powerless. I don't need another club in my life, right? If I want to hang out with some buddies, I'll get some buddies together. I don't need to go to church to be a part of some socially social club or morally good people. But many times, if we're not careful, this is what we can do with church. Hey, come on out. And I'm not against, we have free coffee, right? I'm not against free coffee and donuts and bounce houses. I'm not. But I'm saying God designed the church 
to be powerful, not powerless. <laughs> he designed it to be full of power, that when we gather, his power moves. That we don't settle for just being, oh, we're a group of morally good people. We're just good citizens of the United States. God wants to be so present in our gatherings that we see healings take place, that we see life change happen, that we see people that have been addicted to things and they can come and find salvation and walk away free. Old things have passed away. All things are made new in this moment. God wants to move that way. That's the desire for his church. But here's the issue. Here's the, 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 the dilemma that many Christians face. Everyone wants power, right? I think we'd all want that kind of power, right? If I can heal somebody, man, that'd be awesome. If God will use me to heal someone as a vessel, sure, let's, like, let's go for it. Everyone wants the power. The main issue is speaking in tongues, right? Like, can I have the power without that whole shunned tongues thing? You know what I'm talking about? Like, that gets a little weird. I've seen some stuff on YouTube. Like, it get, I've seen some weird stuff. I've been in a service. I've been trapped in a service with one of my friends, and it got weird. Can I have the power without the language? And so what I want to talk about is I want to shine a light then and answer the question, why do we need a language? That's point number two. You can fill it in. Why do we need a language? Let's talk about it. Why do I need to pray in the Spirit? How does it actually work, work in, my, in my life? You know, one of the biggest, another thing that, the, that Christians face is many times we try to think our way through to God by our argumentative minds. Like I'm trying to comprehend God with this limited mind that he created. I'm trying to almost solve him. If I can figure him out like some type of math problem or Rubik's Cube. Oh, yeah, okay, this makes sense. That's perfect. Ah, I know everything there is to know about God and what's going on in the spiritual realm. Like we're trying to figure it out with our, with our limited argumentative mind. But here's the issue. The more we think with this mind, the more we get involved in ideas thoughts and theories that make sense to what this earthly mind so what does this thing do this thing can become a limit for me god wants to work mightily in my life but this thing often gets in the way this is why when the devil wants to attack your life the first step that he will come is with thought one thought and if you'll accept that thought it will turn into words and if it turns into words, it will turn into action. If it turns into action, it can turn into a lifestyle and habit. Here, the mind is a powerful thing, but God realizes, look, this thing that he created is very limited. I cannot solve God. He is not a math problem, okay? But he's created a way for me to understand him and to know him deeper than my mind ever could, than my mind ever could. So the truth is this, that God is a spirit, okay? As a spirit, he must be discerned. He can't be solved like a math problem. He must be discerned. Let me show you what I mean. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12. It says this, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But look at this. The natural man, he does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness 
to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually what? Discerned. The only way, sorry, I have a lot of stuff I want to get to today, so I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. I'm fired up about this, okay, because this has changed my life. If I'm going to grow up into everything that God has for me, it must be done spirit to spirit. It has to be done spirit to spirit. The primary advantage of speaking in tongues or praying in the spirit is that it gets my mind out of the way long enough so that God can operate more fully within me and through me. It gets this thing out of the way, this filter right up here. Let's, let's, let's break it down a little bit. We are made up of three parts, right? Body, soul, and spirit. So my body, right? My, our, our flesh, we have our soul, our, our mind, our will, our emotions, and we have our spirit. The issue is this. My body and my soul have limited hard drive space, okay? For lack of a better term. They have limited capacity. My body and my soul have limited capacity. So if God were to give himself to me, all of, all of himself to me, in just my body and my mind, we have limited capacity. I believe we would probably literally probably just explode, right? If God tried to give us all in just my mind and my body. There's no way I could experience him fully in that way. There's no way. But here's the good news. The part of you, the part of me that is like God, has the capacity to experience him fully. It has the capacity. That's why God created you that way. It's the part of me, what, my spirit that goes to heaven, that lives for all eternity. It has the capacity to experience him fully. Body and soul, limited. But my spirit has full capacity to receive all of God. So God has to develop, he has developed a way to get his glory to you by bypassing your body and your soul and getting it directly to what? Your spirit. Spirit to spirit. So what does he do? He creates a language that your body and your soul do not understand, but your spirit says, hey, I know that language. Yeah, yeah, I know that heavenly language. As we talked last week, what does your spirit do? When you start praying in the spirit, your spirit is edified. As we talked last week, what? It's built up. It's like giving your spirit a workout, giving your spirit some healthy food, some energy. It's like putting gas in the gas tank. It's saying, yeah, I know that. It's like charging your phone, right? Hey, I... That, I good. My spirit is being built up. But my mind, as we looked at last week, my mind is what? It doesn't profit. First Corinthians 14, it says, I don't know what I'm saying in my understanding, but my spirit is edified. Romans 8, 26 through 27. We looked at this verse last week, but I'm going to look at it, the, the verse after it. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words, and look at this, and the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers, look at this, in harmony with God's own will. When I don't know with my limited mind what to pray for, and I pray in the Spirit, what happens? My Spirit is, is simply testifying with God's Spirit. My Spirit is communicating with God, and what? in harmony with his will for my life. And what does God's word promise? If you ask anything according to my will, it will be done. So how much of a benefit is praying in the spirit then? I don't understand it. Last week we talked a little bit about how I have a burden to pray for somebody, 
but I don't know what to say. I run out of English words. Can I just say this? One of the reasons God has blessed our church so much is because my wife Leslie and I pray in the spirit every single day and week for you. For you. Why? Because I don't know everything you're going through. I, can't, I don't know all the details of your life. I don't know what's happening behind the scenes. I don't know, and maybe you don't even know some of the things that are going on behind the scenes at work or in your family or in your body. But what can I do? I can pray in the spirit outside of this limited mind. Just, hey, God, bless them, you know, be with them, um, you know, heal them, whatever. I can pray beyond that, and I can pray for things that I had no knowledge of praying for. And so what happens? God goes to work on your behalf because someone is praying for you according, in harmony, I love that, in harmony with his will. What does it do? It bypasses the part of me that filters it, changes it, and tries to rationalize my prayer with my limited understanding. Well, God's word says, if you can believe, all things are possible for those that believe. Yeah, it says that, but all those moments get tossed in the trash can when I pray in the spirit. And just as a side note, well, I would rather get to heaven someday, see Jesus face to face, and for him to look at me and say, wow, you really believed everything that I said in that book, everything that I wrote in my word for you. And for me to say, yes, sir. I would rather him accuse me of being too extreme rather than get to heaven someday and him say, I had so much more for you if you just would have believed my word. What a heartbreaking moment. And, and so many people have gotten to heaven and had that moment. Oh, man, look what I had for you. If you would have believed, not rationalized, not changed it, not read my scripture, yeah, but that was Jesus. What did he say? If he said it, we believe it. God honors his word. And he will honor and bless your life when you choose to live your life that way. The natural part of me is limited. The spirit part is unlimited. Another question within this question is this. Can I be baptized in the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues and not use my prayer language? Can I? I stole this answer from Pastor Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands in Alabama. He said this. He said, yes, you can, but you can also be married and not kiss your wife. (laughs) The question is, why would you do that, right? That don't make no sense. Come on, we're married, right? We're going to play kissy face, and that's good. That's encouraged, right? That's part of God's word. He said that. We're going to do that. That's okay. But why would I, why would I not? We have to change our perspective. It's not a, speaking or praying in the Spirit. It's not a repulsive experience or something to run, run from. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues. God breathed that sentence for Paul to write. I wish you all spoke with tongues. And so opening myself up, and being willing to step into this heavenly language, it does not make me weird. It makes me powerful. Let me say it. Praying in the Spirit does not make you weird. It makes you powerful. we got to flip the script on this thing. When I use it, it's weird when I don't use it in agreement with God's Word. That's when you can find some weird stuff on YouTube, okay? But when it's in agreement with God's Word, it makes you powerful. The Holy Spirit, he only wants to help you live, love, and look more like Jesus. He's not going to force you to do anything weird or crazy, but he's going to allow you through this language to receive the full weight of who God is, spirit to spirit, language beyond my understanding. 
So let's look at it really quick as we wrap up here. Four ways that power is visible in our lives. There's four different ways. The first one is this, is that it's a sign. Power should be a sign that follows believers. It's a sign that follows believers. And so is speaking, praying in tongues, speaking and, and uh, using our prayer language. It's a sign that should follow believers. Let's look at Mark chapter 16, 17 through 18. It says this, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. What, what are we talking about, serpents? Last week we talked about serpents. What does that mean? It's a representation of a demonic power. So what's he reminding you of? You have dominion over any demonic power that comes at your life. You will take them up, bind them, and it will be bound in heaven. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. If you want to talk about a verse to read every single day to get you pumped up, to go out and tackle the day, that one right there. These will follow those that believe. Key. I can read this verse and amen it all day, but do I believe that God wants to do this in my life? He wants to use me at that capacity. Because when I believe that, and I start to walk in obedience when God prompts me to move, he will start to show up in big ways. He wants to give you the ability to cast out demons. Not just pastors or people that have been in ministry for a long time. You. He wants to, it's the same Holy Spirit. He wants to work through you. What does he say? Speak with new tongues. He wants to give you that heavenly language when you walk in agreement with his word. We can live life with full confidence that we are victorious over the enemy and his attacks. What a great promise from God. When I believe his word, what? If I drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt me. Can I put that in 2020? Hey, if I come into contact with COVID-19, guess what? COVID has to die, not me. That's where my faith is. All right? I don't, I don't fear it. I walk in wisdom, absolutely. I'm not going months without washing my hands or something ridiculous like that. No, I walk in wisdom. I do my part, but I don't live in fear of it. Why? Because God's word said, when I believe, even if I do come into contact with it, guess what? It ain't going to knock me down, right? Doesn't mean it's not going to come knocking, right? It will try, but I will prevail. The battle's on, and I will prevail according to God's word. 1 Corinthians 14, 22, it says this, so you see what? That speaking in tongues is a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. It's a sign. This doesn't mean that I just go and, uh, we talked last week, I don't just go to Walmart and grab the main speaker and start throwing some shundas on there in front of everybody in the whole store, right? That's not what I'm talking about. How is it a sign? It's a sign of power. This is what happened in the book of Acts. Jesus' disciples were uneducated, untrained men. And as you read through the book of Acts, the, the religious leaders accused them of that. They looked at them and they said, who are you guys? You, didn't, you, didn't, you haven't trained like we have. You haven't, you haven't come up as we have come up. You have no right to call this kind of crowd and to be teaching people. Who are you? But here's what they did. They went out. They healed the sick. They did everything that was on that list that we just looked at. And those people stood up and they walked with the disciples and the religious, religious leaders looked at them and they said, they're uneducated, they're untrained. But God's word says they could say nothing against it. Why? Because of the sign. This man was crippled and now he's not. This man was crippled for decades and now he's not. What do we say to that? It's a sign that follows those that believe. I have to believe. Number two is this. It's a river of living water. It's a river of living water. This one's important. Jesus compares the baptism in the Holy Spirit 
to a river flowing out of a believer's innermost being or their spirit. It's a river. Let's look at it in John 7, 38 through 39. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, remember that, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this Jesus spoke concerning the Spirit, capital S, that's the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. They hadn't received the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet, so he's prophesying about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This power is supposed to go through you or out of you like a, uh, a river of living water. Let's break it down from the top, though. It says this, He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said. Going back to what? God's word above any other word. God's word above any other word. Over any circumstance or any life experience. Well, I prayed that time and it didn't work. What does that change about this? I need to lean more into this. Because I've, I've had plenty of times where I've prayed. And it didn't work how I, I wanted it to work. But I didn't lose faith. I said, I need to get in this more. I'm going to keep speaking this more. And I'm going to keep ra- going raging in the battle more and more until I see my life align with God's word. I will not lose heart and I will not lose faith in it. As the scriptures has said, many people go to church. Many people say they believe in Jesus. But sadly, many people don't believe in Jesus as the scriptures have said. If you're going to walk in Holy Spirit power, we must believe in Jesus, as the scriptures have said. People, churches, denominations, I'm not bashing anyone, I'm just saying this. Many times we can create our own version of Jesus to believe. That it's just there to benefit me. He's just a vending machine that I can go to whenever I need him, but then I'll live uh, knowingly, willingly in sin against against his word on my own time. But when someone gets cancer, I'm going to go and pray. I need to believe, as the scriptures have said, in Jesus, and power, it will be made available to me. Jesus said, you're only going to experience him to the fullest when we believe that way. Not by my common knowledge, or by men's opinions, or by my earthly experience. God's word above any word. God's word above any word. Now, when I do that, what does he say? Out of you flows rivers of living water. This points us back to Acts 1.8. He says what? You cannot carry. Do not go anywhere until you receive power. We cannot carry out the mission of God, making disciples, starting churches, spreading the kingdom without Holy Spirit power. And this power is never meant to be stagnant water. I got saved. Here's my passport to heaven. I'm going to tuck that in my back pocket. I'm going to go on living my life. And someday when the rapture comes or when I die, I'll pull it out and say, hey, I, I got my passport to heaven. Salvation. We're never meant to be static or stagnant water. He said that well of living water on the inside of you will help you never thirst again. He said, I'm going to take that when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to turn it into a river that flows out of what? Your innermost being, your spirit to other people, to other people. The purpose is to flow out to others. A great example of this, uh, several years ago, I heard this story of this farmer and I don't remember what kind of crop he was growing. So that's not the point. But he, he, had a, he had a unique situation where he had, a many, he had many fields. But only one field had immediate access to water. And so he developed this system in his field and um, for the guys around his fields where this one system or this one field at the very top, they would flood with water. And then the next field they had it where it would drain down to this next field, stair-step down. 
and another stair step and another stair step all the way down. And so he had all of these fields, but the top one was the only one that had access to the water. So what they would do is they created these pipes, these channels that went from this pond to this one or this field to this field, this field to that field, and so on all the way down. So what they would do is they would flood the top field. If we can get this top field so full of water that the soil's not soaking it up anymore, but it's actually pushing it up, it'll go into the channels and it'll go down to the next. Until that one does the same, it'll overflow to the next. This is an exact representation of what God wants to do in your life. He says, I've called you to be here, but I'm not just going to give you water because I need water to get all down here to the people in your life. So what I'm going to do, if you're open to it, if you do your part, he says, I will flood you with living water. And I'm going to use you as a channel that's going to pour out that water and it's going to go down that channel to the next one and it's going to bring life. And it's going to go down that channel to the next one and it's going to bring life to them. And then what? It's multiplication. But it's my job to be available and to be ready for what? Living water in my life. Have I made myself ready and available to receive all of him so much so that I'm overflowing and it will turn into a river flowing out of me to where? People that need it people that need it. That's the power of God. Number three is this. It's a fire that purifies. Praying in the Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a fire that will purify your life. We see this in Matthew 3.11. This is John the Baptist, and he says this. He says, I indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who's coming after me, speaking of Jesus, he is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. What does he say, though? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Holy Spirit and fire. It's not a verse we talk about that much, right? We're not talking about real fire here. Spiritual fire. Fire purifies. It burns out. It cleans. Fire, this spiritual fire, it wants to burn out the impurities in your mind, in your soul, your body, and in your spirit. This is what happens when I walk with God daily and I use my, my, my prayer language daily. I'm praying in the spirit and I walk and I'm praying and God is using it to ignite this burning fire in me. What is it? It's stirring. It's building me up according to his word. And it's building me up so much that it's pushing out and burning out these desires that I used to have. Because what? My focus is on him. I'm feeding on him. I'm feeding my spirit good things, spirit to spirit. And as I'm using this language, it's burning out these old desires, these old temptations, these old things that would raise their head that try to go, make me go back to my old way of life and living in sin. But I have to tell you this. In order to walk in Holy Spirit power, it must be backed with purity. In order to walk in Holy Spirit power, according to this, it has to be backed with purity. God wants a pure and clean vessel to use. Going back to what we just talked about, the fields. These fields, and they would have these tubes. There were huge tubes. They were channels that would go down. What would happen over time is these, tool, these, uh, these tubes would become clogged. They would get sticks in them, brush in them. They would get dirt and mud in there. And over time, these would become clogged until so much so that they're flooding this field, but it's not, it's not working the way it's supposed to work. They're supposed to be putting water to the next field, but it's not. It's just trickling out the other end. And so from time to time, what they'd have to do is they'd have to go, and they have to get in those tubes, and they have to scrape them out and clean them out 
and flush them out and get all of the junk that was blocking the flow out of the way so that the water could flow again. And when I willingly, knowingly continue to live in sin, that's what I do. I clog up the channel that God wants to use. I'm allowing it. I know it's, yeah, I know there's junk in there. I know there's leaves. I know there's mud. There's like a beaver dam in there. I know it's clogged up, but I'm not willing to address it. God's saying, I still want to move. I want to I move in your life. I want to use you to, to impact other people, but I got to clean the channel. I got to clean the channel. I can't expect God to move in my life if I am leaving it clogged. In Romans 13, 12 through 14, it says this. It says, because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity or immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Where does it all start? In the mind. Don't even think about it. How do I do that? I need to purify my life. One of the best ways, if you're facing temptation to, to fall back into a sin or to a past addiction, one of the best ways to overcome it is whenever you're faced with the thought of temptation, number one, physically remove yourself from the situation, whether that's walking out of the room or uh, going somewhere else, whatever it is, physically remove yourself from it. And then number two, praying the Spirit. Praying the Spirit. Why? I'm praying in harmony with God's will for my life. His will is not for me to fall into temptation. What is it? His word promises in Corinthians, he will lead us out of temptation. He won't let it overpower you. He'll show you the way out. But what's my part? I got to take the first step. I'm going to physically remove myself. I'm going to pray in the spirit so that I don't even think about going back to that lifestyle. It's a fire that purifies. Number four is this. It's a supernatural weapon. Praying in the spirit, it's a supernatural weapon weapon. In 2 Timothy 1, 6-7, it says this. It says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Stir up the gift. One of the ways to stir your spirit, hopefully you see this by now, is by what? Praying in the spirit. When I pray in the spirit, I am stirring up that gift of God, that power that's on the inside of me. I'm stirring it up my whole life. I knew this verse, right? God's not giving me a spirit of fear. I didn't, I didn't, no one ever taught me the verse before that. I should have memorized that one too. Stir up the gift. But what did he do? He laid hands on him to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Stir up that gift on the inside of you that you received when we gave it to you. Stir it up. Why? When I stir up that gift, I fight and I defeat fear in the realm of its existence. What does he say? Spirit of fear. When I pray in the spirit, I'm stirring up that gift and what I am fighting in the spiritual realm, not just the physical, I'm fighting in the spiritual. I'm, I'm addressing things that are, I can't even see with my physical eyes. I'm addressing it. Why is that important? Reminder, hey, newsflash, the devil wants to destroy your life. He hates you, he hates your spouse, he hates your kids, he hates your friends, he, he hates your guts. You're creating the image of God and he hates it. He doesn't wanna see you grow up into the knowledge of this and mature in the faith, he doesn't wanna see it. He hates you. 
This is why we see in Ephesians, it says what? Take up the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. Let's look at this real quick. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girding your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So many times right here, we like to put a period and say, yeah, man, I took up the whole armor of God. I know it. But I would challenge us to keep reading. The next verse is what? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Praying in the spirit is a part of your armor. It's a part of your armor. How many Christians are going through their life thinking they've put on the whole armor of God, but they've put a period where the semicolon is? I got it. Any Lord of the Rings fans in here? Anybody seen Lord of the Rings? Okay, okay, a few of us. Um, I mean, I haven't seen it in a while. There's a part though, I, think, I don't remember which movie it is, but there's that, the long yellow-haired uh, elf. Uh, he's, he's shooting, he's got arrows, right? He's shooting these orcs. Legolas, there it is, come on. He's shooting these, these, the bad guys, okay, the orcs. Maybe I shouldn't have used this example. Uh, <laughs> he's shooting, he's, and he's, he's directing these other guys how, where to shoot. And he reveals where their armor is weak. And he says, shoot there. You know what part I'm talking about? Oh, okay. Do you remember, what, what's the, what, is this, what does he say? Their armor is weak? And it's like the neck, the neck and under the arm or something? Okay. <laughs> he reveals where the armor is weak. Why? So that every arrow can be the most intentional and cause the most damage. When I don't take up the whole armor of God, the devil sees the same thing. It's weak in this area. So what's he gonna do? He knows exactly where to attack. Whether it's a sin that you just can't shake, an addiction, whether it's a, a mindset or a stronghold in your life, whether it's fear, anxiety, or depression, I'm gonna keep going right here because I know it's gonna cause the most pain in your life. We gotta take up the whole armor of God. It helps protect me. It helps fight for things that I didn't even know. In Ephesians 6, 18, in the New Living Translation, it says this, it says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. At all times and on every occasion. I need to live my life praying in the spirit in harmony with God's perfect will. And God will use it to stir up that gift, that power on the inside of me. And I can walk with boldness and expectation that his word will come to pass in my life no matter what the world is doing, no matter what my life is doing right now. I need to pray in the spirit. Let me give you some reflection questions for your community groups for this week. I know you have them on your notes, but let's talk about them for a second. What's the biggest thing God revealed to me today? Maybe as you're sitting there, maybe God spoke to you about a part of this message that maybe you had forgotten. Maybe for you, praying in the spirit has gone dormant. Maybe it's been a long time since you've prayed in the spirit. Maybe you've let it just kind of get static and that river has become static water. Static water is diseased water, right? You go out, you hike anywhere. Don't, <laughs> let's find some running water. It's healthy, it's life. We need to use it. We need to use this, this gift that God's given us. The second one is this. Is there an area of my life that needs to be purified? Is there an area of my life that I've hung on to for too long 
that I know is against God's word that I've hung on to and just justified as that's ah, a part of my life, but needs to be purified and burnt out of my life. Number three is this, how often am I praying in the spirit? Am I doing what Ephesians 6, 18, praying in the spirit at all times on every occasion? Am I using it? Or am I just using it when we talk about it at church or you know, maybe sometimes when I pray, you know, am I using it with intention? The action step is this, I would challenge you to kind of switch things up this week take an action step. Start every day by praying in the spirit first and in English second. See what happens when you wake up and you start praying in perfect harmony with God's will first, and then you dive into praying in English. I don't know about you, but whenever I first start praying in the morning, sometimes my English words don't make sense anyway, right? My brain ain't caught up. It's not woke up yet. I need a few cups of coffee and I'll get there. I can get past that. I can pray in the spirit. My spirit doesn't sleep. Your spirit doesn't sleep. It's ready to go when you wake up. Let's try it. Let's see what happens. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second? Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for power that's been made available to us that we can use to steward your kingdom. It's not about us. It's about you working through us. And God, we believe that. We receive it and we expect it today. Heavenly Father, I just pray for everyone in here, everyone listening on the podcast or watching this at a later date. I pray that you would help us be clean channels for you to use, for your power, your heavenly power to flow through, to impact people's lives with healing and freedom and life change. Let us be bright lights as you've commanded us to be. Let us be rivers of living water, your power working out, out of us to impact other people. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, would you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second? If you're in here, the first step, you say, Pastor Dan, I want that power. The first step in receiving this power is to become a part of God's family. You need to come home. God's not mad at you. He's not upset with you. He wants to forgive your sins and welcome you into his family. But it starts with you making a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If you're in here, you say, Pastor Dan, I want to do that today. I need to, I need to commit my life to Jesus. I want to take that first step. Or maybe you're in here and you'd say, Pastor Dan, I, I've done that in the past, but I've been living in sin. I've been doing my own thing, but I'm ready to come home. I'm ready to be serious today. If that's you for either one of those, would you just raise your hand? I'm not gonna embarrass you, call you up front or anything like that. I just wanna pray with you. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. If that's you for either one of those, you wanna make Jesus the Lord of your life today, just raise your hand high enough for me to see it and put it right back down. Awesome. All right, so I didn't see any hands go up. So here's the next thing I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit it's, a, it's something we receive by faith. It's not like water baptism that's physical, but we receive it by faith like salvation. And we can ask for it. And we can ask to receive our prayer language and to pray in the spirit. And so if you're in here, I'm gonna lead this prayer. And just like God never forces anything on us, I'm not gonna force it on you. I'm just gonna present an opportunity. If you're in here, you've never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but you want to today. You've never used your prayer language or praying in the spirit, but you want to today. Today's your day. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you. He wants to use you. I'm just gonna ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Say it like you believe it and believe it in your heart. In fact, I'm gonna have everyone, everyone in here, keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. Would you say this prayer after me? Say, Jesus, thank you for saving me. Right now, I ask you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit, I ask you to give me my own prayer language. Thank you for helping me live a powerful life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.